hand in hand. Uh, anyway, say so the last 21 days, uh, we have been doing, as a church, uh, this thing called the Daniel Fast. And uh, we ate fruits uh, and vegetables. Uh, it was awesome, because that's what Daniel did. And so we're like, hey, let's do that. Let's go to prayer. And we did that. God did some amazing things. Uh, and then yesterday, we had a picnic where we ate all of the meat. We had hamburgers and whatnot. Uh, and so I do not recommend going to our bathrooms today because uh, we just blew up our diet. Uh, and so, uh, yeah, I said that, and it's all downhill uh, from, uh, from here. Uh, but anyways, I digress. Uh, the la- this past week was super hard for me. Uh, like I, My kids were at camp, and I was just like, I just want to go to Starbucks, and I want to journal, and I want to just kind of spend time reflecting because I have extra time with my kids being at camp. And I want to go, I want to walk down, like there's a restaurant uh, on the bay right by my house. I was like, I want to walk down there and go on a date with my wife. And, uh, and I, and I, and I want to grill. I want to make a steak and I want to eat that. I want to, I want to do all those things. And I was like, uh, I, it was, this was the hardest week of, of the three weeks that we did this Daniel fast. But the week before I went to Denver, I was up for over 24 hours and I didn't have a lick of coffee. I made it just in case, uh, but I didn't have any coffee. I was able to stay strong, but like this week, I nearly wanted to quit. Why? Because I want what I want. And when it comes time to like get what I want and when it's in front of me, like I want to give in. Am I the only one? Like, hey, we're good. We're committed until I want something else. Like I'm committed to my job until, ooh, they're hiring. Like, I'm committed to my diet until, oh, look, there's cake. Like, I, I, I'm committed until something else is right in front of me. But maybe that's not you. Maybe you don't live in, like, the two different, like, maybe you don't live in the extremes. Maybe you're just like, hey, I'm healthy enough. I'm, I'm good enough. Like, it could be better. It could be worse. I'm comfortable. <laughs> what we're going to look at today is that whether we're kind of in the middle, like, I'm good enough, or whether we're kind of on the extremes, like, Jesus is asking us to get uncomfortable. And when Jesus speaks into what is comfortable in our lives, like we have a tendency to be like, ta-ta, Jesus. (laughs) And so I want to look at what Jesus is talking about now at the end of of Luke chapter 14. If you have your Bibles, uh, you can turn there. It's in the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. It will also be uh, up on the screens and whatnot. Here's what he says. It says, now uh, now great crowds accompanied him, and he turned and he said to them, now, now Jesus is, is now, like we're in the middle of uh, Luke's gospel, Jesus has crowds. Like this is a sign of his popularity. Like we would look at this and be like, Jesus has a crowd before him. Isn't that a measure and a mark of his success? If you're in a band, you want a bigger and bigger crowd, don't you? Not a smaller and smaller crowd. If you're on social media, you're like, yo, hit the subscribe button. Uh, comment below why, because you're trying to build an audience. Jesus has a crowd in human, uh, in our perspective, this would point to his success. So Jesus turns and says to them, now you and I, in our, in our world kind of thinking, we would say, hey, everything that Jesus is about to say, he's speaking into people that, quote unquote, air quotes, love him. People that are, are proof of his popularity. And so Jesus is going to talk to a bunch of people following him around that love his teachings. They're comfortable with his teachings, but now Jesus is going to speak into a place that is uncomfortable when they have to do something about his teaching. And that's where we have this issue when Jesus asks us to do uh, something. What I want us to see today 
is I, I hope that for you and I that we'll stop liking Jesus and begin following Jesus. To use kind of some modern language, what I think Jesus is going to be saying over these next few verses is that a follow is better than a like. Like we can, we can throw a like on a comment, but to actually follow along with somebody, that is so much better. And we want that in, our, in today's world. A follow is better than a like. So what Jesus is going to point out to us are five characteristics of what it means to be a follower. So in the last week at Wellspring Church, we have seen 10 people commit their lives to Jesus Christ. Praise God for that. And so if you are, if you maybe are one of those 10, or maybe you have been, uh, you have been a Christian for some time, I hope that this is either A, something fresh is what it means to follow Jesus, or for the rest of us that have been followers of Jesus, let's, let this be a reminder of what it truly is in Christ's own words, means to follow Jesus. So here's the first thing we see. True followers prioritize their relationship with Jesus. Jesus, now speaking to the crowd, his quote-unquote popularity, he says this, if anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters, yes, even his own life, he cannot be my disciples. Jesus is speaking to a crowd. Wouldn't we want the crowd? Wouldn't we want to keep the crowd? But Jesus isn't after the crowd. He's after all-in followers. He doesn't start light. He starts super heavy. Like, can you imagine you're following this guy around the countryside? And he opens his sermon. Like, you're supposed to start with a joke. You're supposed to start with like, uh, hey, it's been a while, 21 days. Like, don't use the bathroom. That's how you're supposed to start a sermon. But Jesus doesn't do that. He goes right for it. He's saying, you and I, if we're going to follow Jesus, the primary relationship in our lives is over our relationship with ourselves, is over our relationship with our families. It's Jesus over everything. And he uses this word hate, which you and I, in our context, have a different viewpoint of hate than Jesus did in the ancient Near East. What in the ancient Near East, like they were talking about hate as a matter of priorities. This was something where if Jesus is number one, everything else is a distant second. That the gap between number one and number two should be so large that number two and there on down feel like, do you hate me in comparison of your number one? That's what Jesus is getting at, that everything else is secondary by a large margin to that of Jesus. That you have to leave and be willing to leave the comfort of your own family. Is Jesus doing something radically new? No. Like think about if you're if you're familiar with, with the Old Testament, like we could we could go to the look at Moses. Moses is in Egypt, and he murders somebody, and, and, then, and then he moves out on the countryside. He's not, he's not like a slave like the rest of the uh, Jewish people in Egypt. He's, he's comfortable in his new setting outside the country. Then there's this burning bush, and, and even though he's all like tongue-tied, and he doesn't have this, like he's, he's in a family context, and Jesus, uh, through this burning bush, God Almighty says to him, like, yo, I need you to go back. And, and does, does that mean that Moses hated his family? No, it just means that he loved God more and was willing to obey and leave that comfortable context. Well, okay, let's, let's, let's look at, okay, what about, what about David? David's called to be the second king of Israel. He's out in the shepherd, he's out in the field, but he's in the family context. 
And, and God calls him to leave that family context to do what? To go and kill a giant, to go and hide in caves, to go and do other things. And does that mean that David hated his family? No, by no means. It means that he loved obeying God more than anything, anything else. Both of these individuals were people that were willing to get uncomfortable People that we consider to be biblical heroes, they left the comfort of home to do something so much greater. You don't defeat armies from the couch. You don't defeat Goliath from the couch. You don't see waters part from the couch. You may see a move of God from the sidelines, but you experience a move of God from the front lines. Communities are not transformed when churches sit on in their couches. Home is comfortable. A lot of us are home bodies. I get that to a point. But a true followers prioritize the kingdom of God above anything else and are willing to get uncomfortable. The second thing that we see in Jesus says, true followers bear their cross. Whoever does not bear his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. Jesus died on the cross. We celebrate that. We will, in a moment, we will sing about that. But we have the context. We have the privilege of history where we know that's what Jesus did uh, and then rose three days later. But the crowd that he is speaking to, they did not know that. When Jesus talks about uh, crucifixion, they're not, they're not wearing a cross around their neck as some fashion thing. They're looking at the cross as something barbarous, something that was uh, horrendous. The, the Romans made an art out of killing people. This was something that in their context, they have not yet seen Jesus die on the cross. All they know is that when you did wrong and Rome wanted to kill you, they would flog you, which they would beat you to the point where you could have organs being seen out of your back. You would be put on a rugged cross. You would be hung in public for all to see, to be a lesson to the people naked with the crime that you committed above you in a public setting. So at this point, the crowd has probably seen hundreds and hundreds of people die a gruesome, humiliating death. So Jesus, in our language, is looking at us and saying, are you willing to follow me to the electric chair? Are you willing to die an embarrassing death? Are you willing to suffer? Are you willing to join me in suffering to advance the kingdom? A few weeks ago, I had a conversation with uh, Rich Jennings after church in Bayville. And I don't forget the context of what we were talking about. Uh, I texted him this week to you know, tell him I was going to mention this, and he couldn't remember either. But, uh, but he, we were talking about his, uh, his aunt and uh, and he was like, yeah, like he, the whole wicked sarcastically, like, yeah, she's real religious. Like a, a, few, a handful of months ago, she was like, I walked in and she was like, I'm not, I'm not having soda. I gave it up for, I gave it up for Lent. And he was like, for Lent? You haven't been to church in 30 years. And like, you gave up soda for Lent? Like, that, like I go to church every week. Like what? Like, and it was like this, like, he was just like talking to me. Like, can you, do you, do you get, I was like, it happens all the time. Like that, that, like that sort of thinking. Like, if we're, like, let's step back for a second. We probably have an aunt or a grandma that hasn't been to church in how long, right? But part of their heritage is they give out, they give up candy for 40 days every single year. That I'm not gonna have any cake. I'll never go to church, but for 40 days, I will not eat cake. Like, okay, like 
That is such, like, if, okay, okay, let's be honest. Like, that is an American way of seeing sacrifice, right? I'll give to charity when there's a, when there's a dinner or a golf outing attached to it. I'll pray, but really only before meals. Uh, hey, guys, I give, but I, I, give more, I give more than the average American of $574 a year. So I'm good. I'm a good church-going American. I have a church family. I can go there. I go there once or twice a, a year. I have a church family, like, and we see this as like I'm a good Christian. I, I, my, 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 the girl that I'm dating or the boy that I'm dating, like, hey, they don't have the same beliefs at me as me, but they vote the same way, and they're a good person. So everything is groovy. We're good at sacrificing when it's mainstream. When it, when when social media says put on a mask, I'll sacrifice. But the second it's not trending anymore. The mask is oppressive. <laughs> like that, that is our version of sacrifice. We are so disillusioned as Americans. <laughs> we sing of Jesus, you can have our lives. But if we're honest, when we sing that as Americans, we're singing that knowing that our lives will likely never be asked of us. And so when sacrifice comes our way, we say, Jesus, you can have our lives. But Jesus, when it comes to my schedule or my wallet or something, like those lesser sacrifices... That's just too much. And it becomes just words. Jesus, you want to know if, like, if you would really give your life for Jesus? If, it, if anybody ever came in and were like, hey, it's death, or you declare Jesus and you die? Like, if we, if we want to know if we would ever like, really stand that strong for Jesus, did you give yourself at the, uh, at the lesser things? I think we'll see more committed Christians when Christianity is no longer protected in our society. What Jesus is saying here is that following him, don't be surprised. It's supposed to be hard. But in the end, hard is wildly rewarding. <laughs> uh, and so the, the third truth that we see is that true followers count the cost. Jesus goes on to say this, for which of you desiring to build a tower does not first sit down and count the cost, whether he has enough to complete it. Otherwise, uh, when he has laid a foundation and is not able to finish, all who see it begin to mock him saying, this man began to build, but was not able to finish. Or what king going out to encounter another king in war will not sit down first deliberate uh, whether he is able to with uh, 10,000 to meet him when it comes uh, against him with 20,000 and if not while the others are is yet a great way a great way off he sends a delegation and asks for terms of peace both these illustrations are all in type of decisions are all in type of thinking it's commit to the whole process don't quit halfway through you're all in or you're all out half fought battles uh, make no sense. So in the context of what Jesus is talking about here is, is no such thing as a casual Christian. And when you and I set out to follow Jesus, we think about what Jesus is saying here in this text. We count the cost and we say, okay, I'm in. He's worth it. When there's a battle of wills, the will of Christ will win. When I count the cost of what the Lord requires, it's not, oh, should I count the cost and I'm going to turn away? But no, I count the cost. So when it comes time to pay up, I'm not going to, to, uh, to cash out. I'm not going to run away. I'm going to embrace it. Why? Because Jesus is worth it. We just did those 21 days of, of fasting and, and prayer and, and, and that change in the diet. There's two families in particular that looked at the 21 days and said, you know what, at the end of the month, 
I'm going on vacation. But what the church is doing is really a value and of need. And so I want to be part of the 21 days. And so on, instead of starting on like July 12th or whenever we started, they, they were like, you know what? I'm going to start uh, June 1st. That's what it is. Not June. Yeah, whatever. June. Um, July is this month. Uh, and so they started uh, a week or two earlier. So they still did the Daniel fast. They still prayed. But when they counted the cost of like, hey, what their month was going to look like, they saw at the end of the month, they had some stuff going on, like traveling and whatnot. I think one family went to Lancaster. Who goes to Lancaster uh, while on the Daniel Fast? No one. Uh, and so they started earlier. They counted the cost, and they still honored God this month in really coming before him in great dependency because they saw value. I'm a man, like I said, that lives in the extremes. I'm all in or I'm all out. And when I'm all in, to stay all in, I need great motivation. And so for you and I, when we're all in for Christ, what's our motivation? Why stay in the extreme? We stay in the extreme because nothing worthwhile comes without sacrifice. That's a why. Why? Because he first loved me. Why? Because Jesus is stinking awesome, and so living like him is awesome. Why? Because I want my unbelieving friends to see what a life of deep faith looks like. Why do I stay in the extreme? I stay in the extreme because when I suffer, I learn about my suffering Savior. Why do I stay in the extreme? Why? Because the love of Christ compels my very all. The fourth thing that he says is that true followers renounce all. He says this, so therefore, any one of you who does not renounce all, not some all, that he has cannot be my disciple. We're renouncing all for the cause of Christ. Now, this is, this is not necessarily a word that we use all the time. I don't leave my house and say, Ava, I just want you to know that when I leave this house, I'm renouncing all women. Like, I don't talk to her like that. That's not the sweet nothings that I whisper into her ear. Here's what renounce uh, means, is to formally declare one's abandonment of, to, re to reject, stop using, or consuming. That really puts it into perspective. To declare abandonment. To make my life with Jesus of such priority that every, I abandon everything for the cause of Christ. Everything that I have, everything in my possession, my life, my things, all of it is at the disposal of the king. Everything that I find comfort, comfort in, I hold loosely because I want the cause of Christ. My relationships, my desires, my possessions, everything is not in my hands. I put it in the hands of Christ. Am I willing to die to my own desires and my own plans to live by God's will for me. Ava, can you come up here for a second? Let's, let's use the, 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 so like we're announcing all, we would say marriage is, is a covenant. Uh, we, Ava and I are uh, one month away. Uh, August 1st uh, is our anniversary. And, uh, and so on August 1st, 13 years ago, Ava and I looked at each other, blissfully ignorant and stupid, and we said, you have my all. You, we, like, I, I, I now, I go from this position to this position. And I'm like, oh, like, repeat after me and say I do. And, 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 and you'll say things like, forsaking all others till death do us part, sickness and in health. 
And we, we made this covenant. In part, if you guys want to roll back the tape, Ava vowed to me on our wedding day to always be a Red Sox fan. So she's, uh, she's a winner. And, uh, and so uh, we made these vows. But we didn't know when it comes time to pay up what these vows would really cost us. We didn't know, but we made them because we were in love, and we are in love. But then what gets in the way of marriages? Is it not like sometimes it's a job? Like, hey, you work so much. Well, I'm trying my best. Is it not money? Like, have you ever been around the table where a spouse says like, well, it's my, I work hard, it's my money, and the other spouse is like, say what? Like, like what? Like, what? Or like, I got a hobby. It's just my, it's me time. Or we have kids, and, the, and you, you eventually have kids, and it's like the kid knows which, which spouse to play to get what they want. Think, uh, let's, let's go to the extreme now. In marriage, in premarital counseling, we'll, we'll talk about sex and sex in, in the marriage covenant. In Christians, we hold to like, hey, keeping the marriage bed pure and like enjoying the context of marriage. You make a vow in sickness and in health. You make a vow that this is my everything. But what if one of us becomes a vegetable? You know what that vow that we made 13 years ago says? I am willing to live a life of celibacy to stay true to your side. We don't talk about that, right? We don't talk about the all-in nature of this commitment. But the things that could get in the way of a marriage, aren't they also the things that could get in the way way of our relationship with God? Don't we look at things like work and, and sex and schedule and kids and family? We look at these things that could get in the way of us, where we lose sight of us at times. Those same things are the things that when it, when it comes time to say God or this, those things can also get in, our relationship, in the way of our relationship there, where we don't, we're not losing sight of us, we're losing sight of God and what he would want of us, where he is truly number one. When we commit our lives to him, it's reckless abandonment. For the cause of Christ. Ava knows that the best way that I can love her is to always treat her as number two and my kids as number three. As I fall madly in love with Jesus and keep him the priority, this gets better. <laughs> my kids get better. And if they were ever to test my priority to God Almighty, God better win a hundred times out of a hundred times because that's what it means. This is an announcement of my renouncement of everything else in this world. This right here should be a public announcement of my renouncement to all for the cause of Christ. Ava, thank you for staying by my side. Uh, Lastly, uh, uh, true followers taste good. Okay, don't get weird here. Okay, here's what Jesus says. Uh, Salt is good, but if salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It is no longer, it it, it is of no use either for the soil or for the manure pyre. It is to be thrown away. Uh, He who has ears, let him hear. If we are to function well as a Christian, we should be salt in our world. We should be, we should look at, other people should look at our lives and be like, I want the Jesus that they serve. But if we are not functioning well as a, as a Christian, we are not salty in the, in the positive uh, sense. And so we are then ineffective uh, and we are then seen as useless. We are not distinguishable uh, in the world around us. And if we're not distinguishable at work or in our families or wherever the context we find ourselves, if there is no distinction, distinction of us, then we are not a salty Christian, a taste good Christian, and we would be looked upon as useless, as salt that is not salty is useless. And so if I haven't already offended you yet, (laughs) I'm going to now. 
Because what have we seen in the last week and a half? The A word came up again, and not the three-letter one. Abortion. Right? We live in a world where every three months or so, there's some political issue that we get on our social media and we fight about. I'm so sick of it. Not that we have cultural issues. We should expect that. You know what happened a month ago when, when it got leaked that uh, abortion was going to be overturned? I have my, my stance on abortion. I vote my con- conscience. But you know what I hate? I hate people that, I shouldn't say I hate people. I, I, I hate when we, when we say, okay, this cause I'll fight for. And they can go fly a kite. <laughs> and so I got on social media not to publicly say anything, but to private message all my hippie friends from New Hampshire back growing up and to say, listen, I lead a church. How can I love the unborn? And how can I love women? Is there any way that there is an option to love both in the scenario? And the one person that gave me the time of day and had a civil conversation with me said, you know what, you should probably talk to somebody in the foster care system. And I was like, great, last year our church gave $17,000 to CASA here in, in, in Tom's River. So I have a really good connection with somebody in the foster care system. So I messaged her and said, hey, can we get together and have a light conversation about abortion? <laughs> And she said, Jason, I have really strong opinions. I was like, great. I'm not looking to debate abortion. I'm just looking to say, is there any other options to love everybody involved? So we sat down. I did it on church time. I sat down, and she was willing to give me, give me the time of day. So uh, I'll be honest. I used church money to buy her a gift card to the coffee shop that we were at to say, thank you for spending time with me. I didn't debate her. I, you know, here? I wasn't trying to win her to my political side. Because what good is that? What good if I win people to my political side, but they don't spend eternity with Jesus? That is never, ever a win. And so every three months when something new comes up, we can get on social media, and you know what it does? We can share our opinions and whatnot, And anybody that would read that opinion that does not agree with us, they will never want to hear about our Jesus. And that is number one. So when I look at this and I say, I want to taste good as a Christian, we don't taste good when the world only knows what we're against. And when and we we say things like that, and we're saying, Jason, I'm going on social media and talking about what I am for. No, you're not. You're hiding behind what you're for to tell the world what you are against. We as Christians should taste good. We do not taste good when we speak about a holy God while being careless with our own holiness. We do not taste good as Christians when the world around us knows more about our politics than our faith. We do not taste good as Christians when we're not willing to stop and listen. We do not taste good as Christians when we care more about our opinion the gospel of Jesus Christ. If I care more about telling you my opinion than actually loving you, what does 1 Corinthians 13 say? I'm useless. I'm a noisy gong. I can speak, 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 but I do not love you. What good am I? And so we can get on social media. We can share our opinions. We can make a whole bunch of noise on social media. 
And then when it comes time to love somebody, like I can truly, I have had conversations in, since then with this lady from Casa who also loves the Boston Celtics. We get to talk about that. <laughs> and she loves 90s music, and we get to talk about that in email. And why does that conversation keep going? Because we stopped. We listened. And I know if it came down to talk to her about Jesus, that there's still an opportunity to do that. So here's, here's what we said. Uh, I follow is better than a like. True, uh, true followers prioritize their relationship with Jesus. Uh, they bear their cross. They count the cost. They renounce all, and they taste good. You and I as Christians are capable of so much more. And I know you'll look at me and say, Jason, but you don't know my life. You're right. I don't know your life. But if you claim Jesus, I know the Christ that is in you. I know the Christ that is in you that wants to have gospel conversations. I know the Christ that is in you, that has, gi has given you. The moment you said yes to a relationship with Jesus, he gave you spiritual talent that he wants to use to build his kingdom. I know the Christ in you knows how to maximize your schedule so that you have rest and so that you also build God's kingdom. I know the Christ in you will empower you to live with purpose and with meaning every moment of every day. So the point is not hear this text and leave this room just beating yourself up. The point is that Christ in you, you can. The point is that with Christ within me, it is truly skies the limits. Christ in you, you can do it. You can have your comfort or you can have your Jesus, but you can't have both. So what's your next move? My college buddy, uh, Andy, him and his son, uh, he was texting me this morning and uh, they're watching. This is, uh, Andy's in the middle. Uh, he likes to stand out, so he's wearing blue. Uh, he's the fantasy football commissioner. Um, Andy, when you're watching this, I still strongly believe that we should have two IR spots uh, in, in our fantasy football league, that you're being a jerk and you should let us have that. And uh, his son, Bear, is also watching. Bear, uh, we were just talking on the phone, and, and you really love Noah. Um, I'm so much cooler than Noah, and you should come visit me. And uh, he's a college buddy, and, uh, and the two of us, we talk every week, and we talk a whole bunch of nonsense, like college buddies do, right? You've got them. And, and uh, we talk nonsense. We talk talk about fantasy football. We talk about a whole slew of things. And uh, we all, we talk about, hey, let's, let's get our families together and he'll get on and he'll start looking up Airbnbs. We'll look at places to travel and go to. Like we talk a whole bunch of nonsense that never, ever happens. 95% of our conversation is all delusional. <laughs> it never happens. But the 5% that does is when one of us buys a plane ticket is when one of us uh, puts it on the calendar, when one of us puts a deposit down. That's when it happens. So you and I, my, my challenge to us today is to take the decision out of decision-making. You can leave here, you can say, I'm all in, I'm committed. Okay, great. But you're gonna leave here and there's gonna be a whole lot of things thrown at you right now. You can make this decision. So pull out, pull out your cell phones right now. Please pull out your cell phones because I'm gonna throw some QR codes on the screen right now that if you are truly all in, here are some things that as a church, we can help you with. The first one is baptism. If you're, if you're one of the 10 people that have committed your lives to Jesus in the last week, praise God. That is your private faith, but it's time to go public. Your private faith was never 
never meant to stay private. Your private faith was always meant to be public. So I am challenging you right now. If you're like, should I get baptized? Then take a picture right now. And next week at the volunteer fair with cotton candy, we will have that, not a dunk tank, but we will have a baptism. You can sign up and you should sign up right now to be a part of that. The second thing, if you're like, hey, I should have, I should have conversations with my unbelieving friends, great. Well, here's a QR code uh, to read this book, uh, Bless, five, uh, five Everyday Ways to Love Your Neighbor and Change the World. It's a QR code to get a link to this book. I'm challenging you to, st- to, to stop wondering if you should love your neighbors and just start doing it. <laughs> Read this book and, and, and put it into practice. The second thing is serving. Uh, you don't have to wait for a volunteer fair. You can fill out this link and do that today to be part of what God is doing here at this church and in this community. The fourth and last thing is that, yes, you can give. You can say, God, I, I'm not in control of my finances. You are. I'm a steward. I'm just, I'm just stewarding the money that you've given me, and you can, you can give and be a part of what God is, is doing here. Those are some things that we can do as a church, but... You could also get on your phone and set up a recurring event at 5.30 a.m. to read the Bible and to pray. Right now, there might be a friend that for the last month, you're just, hey, I'm busy, I'm busy. But you know they're hurting. You know they're going through a divorce. You know that someone just died. You know that they just got laid off. You know something. And you know that you might be best positioned to have a conversation with them. But man, you're busy. You're busy. You're busy. Stop. Send that text message right now and say, hey, this week, Let's get coffee. Stop with the such busyness. Love the person next to you. Commit to it right now. Take the decision out of decision making and commit to it right now. We're going to close, like we said, with those, uh, those three songs. The first song, we're like, Jason, aren't we supposed to talk about lost and found and reaching the lost? Yeah, we are. That's part of the all-in nature of being a Christ follower is to build his kingdom. And so this first song we're going to sing is a new one. It's, 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 it's about seeing the world outside of our window and not being stuck in our holy huddles. And then we'll go on to two other songs, and I'll just get back up at the end and, and close it out. So would you guys stand, and would you guys sing with me?